0: Today's program is brought to you by Ad Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas, the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization Share Our Strength. Listen at strength.org slash passion.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tune.
3: on a whim, to see if I could fit in, and I felt like a proper lady, before long I met a man I fell in love, you understand, he was all I could think of. See you.
4: Snacky Tunes. We are sitting in lovely Venice. Um, I love driving over to Riona because I can see the beach. Um, And we are here with Naisha Arrington. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. That
5: is me. Thank you for having me.
4: Oh my god. Thanks for, I mean, I love coming over here. Especially because I live in Silver Lake. Yeah. And I drive over here and I hit like a crest. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. the beach is literally right here.
5: It's beautiful. And by
4: beach, I mean entire Pacific Ocean.
5: No, literally. And it's like, it's the first time in, you know, 16 years of cooking professionally that I have the ability to instantly change my mindset if I need to go take a breather.
4: Oh, it's a complete... It's not like, oh, we're going to go to the dog park, which I love. It's like, no, we're going to literally sand, ocean... It's get a amazing. little putt-putt boat, go out. Beautiful. Um, you've been, you are born and raised in LA, right? Yep. Um, lifelong Angelino.
5: Yes. Um, you know, I've traveled, I lived in the Virgin Islands for a year, I lived in Hawaii for about a year, um, Chicago for a little bit, and Aspen, but I it's, always come back it's, to...
4: It's <laughs> <laughs> tough. It's, I get it. I get it. People always ask me, because I, you know, I moved from New York like a year and a half ago, like, you going know, back to New York, and I'm like, oh, I don't know man. <laughs> it's really nice out here.
5: Yeah, it is. It's
4: really nice.
5: Yeah.
4: Um and you grew up here and Korean grandmother.
5: Yes. Quarter love Korean of yourself. My life. Yes. Love your
4: great love your life?
5: Love of my life.
4: Aren't grandmothers great?
5: Um I was literally talking to someone today and they were like, we should do something with your grandma. I was like, oh, well, unfortunately she passed away. But her legacy lives on through my cooking and my heart. And that's the most beautiful thing about food is that it has the ability to the soul still lives. You know,
4: I've been slowly poaching my grandmother's. She's Hungarian. And she had been slowly taking them And I remember when I first made one of her dishes for her And the warmth I got from her oh. And I was like, well shit, I could have just done this years ago And gotten your approval right. But yeah, sure
5: No, that's But, but that's the
4: best way you can honor them um, So what did she cook when you were growing up? I mean, was it like full-on Korean <coughs> food?
5: Oh, 100% Like, it's funny because You know, you don't know how to identify yourself As a biracial kid And, mm-hmm.
4: and you, the other, you're black
5: Black, uh, Cherokee, Indian, and white um, my dad's side
4: So you got a quarter Four quarters Correct Four, four quarters
5: Exactly uh, That must have
4: been An interesting uh, pantry growing up.
5: Oh you gotta be kidding me Like just And it's all in retrospect At the time I can't say I didn't appreciate it But I was very aware Of the different Cultural influences In different sure. households You know So you know At my grandma's house Like go there And she'd have Literally, like five pounds of garlic, like ready for me to peel, and like it's just like you know, a pastime thing, like watching cartoons. And like, I remember my sister was like despised it, and I would always be like, I don't necessarily like doing this, but I'm gonna try to find the fastest way to do this so that I can go play, you know?
4: Oh, yeah, but that brought you closer to your grandmother, right?
5: 100%. And then I really started to enjoy that. And I think really started to mold my mind into, like, that skill set of, like, staying power and, like, the things that take, you know, what it takes to be a good chef today. But, I mean, holidays at her house was newspaper on the tables Mm. and, like, dumpling making. We made so many and would give that out for holiday gifts. That sounds like
4: the best holiday presents just dumplings um,
5: I'm pretty sure that's like frozen, how
4: frozen bags of dumplings or like fresh dumplings
5: we it depends we would like partially cook them okay you know like kind of IQF situation mm-hmm. and make it easy but I'm pretty sure that's how my mom got my dad <laughs> she you know from like that's the legacy I mean
4: <laughs> I you know my wife and i always go and have dumplings and i know uh, that it's if dense. she ever brought me a bag of dumplings i'd be like just <laughs> i'm ripped the yeah. love the love is ripped um and you come from an artistic family right yes right so it was like music oh, art man. everything
5: it's it's my favorite. I mean, I feel like, and I think that's why my heart is so happy in Venice. I mean, we're just really uh, allowed to express um, mm. sort of, you know, unprovoked, visceral, raw love, you know, and that's creators of the planet are, are we perpetuate that like energy. Um, but yeah, my dad is a bass player and he played in the old school 70s funk band.
4: Ooh, shout him out.
5: Oh, um, do you know the Brothers Johnson?
4: I don't, I mean... Well,
5: they're really awesome, um, but he played bass with them, and, um, Spotify?
4: Can I find him there?
5: A hundred percent. All right. They have a really cool song called Strawberry Layer 23 that's absolutely beautiful. Um, and, I mean, I grew up, like, seeing these guys, Quincy Jones, you know...
4: Um, um, who? who? <laughs> gotta watch. You, you gotta tell dig me the uh, archives, gotta watch. <laughs>
5: um, and, you know, I, I love painting and sculpting um, my dad was really is really my best friend in life and and him and I did martial arts when I was young That
4: is so awesome. It's amazing. So tight yeah. family growing up. Super tight. So cooking with your grandmother yeah. art Yes. music with your parents Yes. So it seems like you wanted to do something creative working with your hands. Yes. When did food start coming to be like oh I I really I mean no one ever loves peeling garlic but you're like I could do this full time.
5: You know what's funny is, um, I always played restaurant growing up, and then... How young? Like, nine. Like, okay. Like, played restaurant. Like, had my friends come over and was like...
4: Doing P&L sheets and things yeah, like that? The, <laughs>
5: the I wish. I was so in that skill way back then. She's sitting in
4: her room just looking at Excel, and the lights are off, it's just t- half a glass of wine.
5: <laughs> right? <laughs> i love it oh my, my god coming little over little right snifter. oh yeah yeah
4: yeah i don't know she's doing tastings <laughs> with <weird> like <laughs> produce <laughs> i
5: love it um <laughs> no, i literally would like have my friends come over and like we'd make my thing was always broths and soups so okay. like we'd make like broths and soups and i thought it was like i was like so cool um and then where was I going with that? So
4: you were nine. You were doing restaurants. I was
5: doing restaurants. I named my first restaurant A plus one good restaurant.
4: <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like a Chinese food restaurant. Tell me
5: about it. Like all <laughs> the I used good to go things. to it in Brooklyn, yeah. right? Um, and then I graduated high school. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, was super into drawing classes, photography, all those kinds of things. And then um, I was like, oh, I have to get a real job now. And like took some courses at community college. And then I remember that summer had passed right after high school. And a good friend of mine that I'd grown up with came back for the summer. And him and I, like, connected. And I was like, where have you been? He's like, oh, I went to culinary school. I was like,
4: what? What year is this?
5: And I, like, I graduated in the year 2000 in high school. Okay,
4: so in, this is still of a time the before food had become what it is now. Well
5: before. Well before. I mean, I'm telling you, though, is sitting in that classroom... In the year 2000, and the first day I was there, it, like, hit me like a ton of bricks that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life.
4: And what was the makeup of the class? Because I feel now it's, you know, it's like a, you can't see the eye rolls going on. But, like, back then, who who went to culinary school in the late 90s, early 2000s?
5: I mean, everyone from, you know... Like second career people, mm-hmm. um, people straight out of uh, high school, and you know people who really wanted to refine their techniques. But um, I, w- I watched it, you know, at was seventeen then, and has just seen it explode. I mean, consistently, expl- I mean, crazy. Like I, it's unfathomable. Like way back then, to dream how it is today and how much people have latched on to this idea that food, for me, you know, food is love, food is legacy. When we talked about food being soul, but it's the one constant thing, you know, that can live forever.
4: Oh, absolutely. And something in your life that's been a through line, a through line. So you you graduate school, and uh, who'd you go work for?
5: So while I was in school, um, you know, I was living at my parents' house, waking up four o'clock in the morning to get to school at six um, and would go to school and then work at a restaurant called Giraffe. Mm. And that was Rafael Lunetta. Yeah. And, I mean, to this day, he's just... I love and respect him so much. Mm -hmm. True L.A. chef. Gave me my first
4: surfboard. When you say L.A. chef, what does that mean?
5: You know, that quintessential sort of farmer's market driven but without saying you know i'm farm to table and like wearing that on your sleeve like it's something that isn't so completely organic and natural mm-hmm. no pun intended but um the la chef i mean you know his legacy the chefs that he's worked for and you know who he's partnered with i, I feel that you know he's one of those kind of founders of la cuisine and, and california cuisine really mm-hmm. um super fresh forward you know And really being able to mix savory and sweet, I think that's really something that's super indicative of California cuisine. Um, You know, it's textural, very approachable food, unpretentious. Um, And I I saw that, and I felt it in my heart when I was cooking there. And I started there as a pantry cook, and it was super hard, and I worked with a lot of Latinos, and I was like the young female in the kitchen, and it was very challenging, you know, and those were like the early molding stages of like to like staying power you know yeah the hard discipline, work yeah the
4: discipline of things course, like that yeah and how'd you wind up working for josiah Sitchin?
5: so <clears throat> they were partners in uh in giraffe mm-hmm. and josiah split off and opened a second you know open malice
4: no small rep ra- small <laughs> you know <laughs> small what was it like working at Malise?
5: um well before malice uh i met Josiah and, and Raphael and Josiah were opening a restaurant together called Lemon Moon. Mm-hmm. Moon, Luneta, Lemon, Citron. Sure. So... Got it. Um, that was a breakfast-lunch concept, and um, I came in as a pantry cook. Worked my way up through in all of the ranks to chef, sous-chef, and then opened their second location at, like, the age of 22, 23. Was wow. Running a kitchen. And, like, I was like you know I think I can do it like people yeah. see something in me that I did, I don't know I'm just doing like I'm just right. like gung-ho putting my head down not sleeping like putting everything second everything in my life second to you know running this restaurant um, and then um, one, that location the second location ended up closing it was in a weird space um, in Century City and then I went over to work at uh, Melise, and I didn't think I was ready for that I was Why? twenty because uh I you know that was something that was different for me I'd never understood i didn't i wasn't exposed to fine dining I didn't eat like that growing up i didn't i you know I didn't understand that world at i was i was twenty three at that time twenty four and um I came in scared yeah, nervous sure you know and um because I came in as the viand i was the meat cook right so i'm cooking all the game birds i'm cooking quote the buff for two i'm cooking roasting chickens all the menu order fire chicken for two you roast a whole truffle chicken like
4: mm. and it's this
5: the whole it's just beautiful i mean, I mean he
4: does i mean the food is beautiful
5: there i cannot tell you like how powerful and meaningful that restaurant is like <clears throat> Brennan Brandon, uh, Brandon Collins was the um, chef de cuisine there when I was there. And, I mean, I had a hard time there. That's, like, those gnarly plate and pan-throwing kitchens at that time. You yeah. Know? Um, this was 2006. And um, I remember the first day I staged there, there was, like, a plate that, like, flew by my head. And, I, and I'm telling you, though, like, I felt... I I was exactly where I needed to be, and that I'd almost already walked and lived these steps. Like, mm. and I felt the same way when I read Kitchen Confidential by yeah. Anthony. Like, I felt like this is like my life. Have I read this before? Have <laughs> I cooked here before? You know what I mean? No, no, of course. The way he articulates, it's just just so visceral. It can give me chills right now. But the, I'm telling you, the we, I, you know, I came in and we didn't have the two stars, so it it was super crowning moment to be a part of a team to attain those two stars and move up and just command the kitchen with you know Tresai, with ken with brennan those were some of the most fun cooking times i mean i remember just so many like being in the trenches you know cooking seeing like michael simarusti come in and like doing Mm. these five by five dinners and and like um david lefebvre and like all these, um, these are all the LA chefs I'm talking about, you know, like all those are my, like Susan Finnegar, like Josie, like that, those people, I want to be that chef that continues on the legacy, like the Wolfgang Pucks. Like I know he's grown to this astronomical entity, but like that thought, you know, of like the essence um, that lives on, but I'm telling you, like, so that, those were some of the funnest and challenging cooking, you know, of my life. And, and I tell the cooks today, it's like, you really have to have that staying power. I mean, I was working, I was living in Long Beach at the time and coming to the farmer's market, yep. you know, battling traffic, leaving in three hours early. So I wouldn't have to drive through traffic because I had, yeah, you know, my heart was in it, but um, you
4: had that drive.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So,
4: well, we're going to take a quick musical break.
5: Amazing. We're going
4: to come back. We're going to talk about Wilshire. We're going to talk about your time on top chef. We're yeah. going to talk about, the beautiful Leona Amazing. here on Snacky Tunes. Please enjoy a track from the archives on HeritageRadioNetwork.org
2: and you asked me what I live with that ghost in the house yeah I would trade one year of fear for that old feeling And my love for you Parades in this room Refusing to leave Hoping to weave my way Into the hours And you can fall asleep Oh, you can fall asleep But I'm always gonna watch you fall asleep But I'm always gonna watch you, that's me I love you with that wild love I love you with that love And the rainbow dances with Christ on the wall The requiem breaks the devil who falls And I'm free, I'm free from the pulling force I'm free from the grasp of that beautiful girl she was part of my world Before I was changed Changed from the voice Into the living thing And please let it be You still see him and me Two hands to play A song for the dead Oh, a requiem for the one Who walks through me You can walk through me Like God and the angel Who shelters back From the beast on the hill And I'm running I ran across the killing I ran across the killing Madonna loves me Madonna holds me Madonna dies Madonna unfolds in me now I can't believe in nothing And I can't Stand before me in a big dream, asking all of you. Stand at my bed, shaking your head. And sing a requiem for the hands God gave you. Walk away. But I'm always gonna love you. That's me. I love you with that wild love, yeah. I love you with that love. A requiem for the boy who needs. A requiem for the child who feeds from the breast. I can't believe in nothing.
4: Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I'm here with the wonderful chef Naisha Arrington in the wonderful Leona in Venice. Um, I love that. I don't want to say all the, the your big cooking moments have been in L.A., but the majority of them. I know you spent time in Vegas, yeah. but the first, your first executive chef, right? No, second, second one was at Wilshire. Correct Right What was the first one?
5: First one was in the Virgin Islands At um, a place called Spice Mill Restaurant Okay And that was like one of the more Fun, adventurous times Yeah I, I went there for a season And um, Worked in this cove And The restaurant was called Spice Mill It is called Spice Mill But it's in a cove I mean literally They come day boat Spiny Lobster And Sea Urchin mm. Like, sign me up. So, I came out of Joel Robichon kitchen and straight into that environment. Well, also,
4: you're in Vegas. Yes. And then you go to the island.
5: And watch this guy, sandy footed, walk through my kitchen. And, like, I, you know, all of my, like, European, like, French fine dining pedigree wanted to, like, flip the fuck out. You're getting sand. You know on my kitchen what? Floor? What are you doing? What are you crazy? Doing? And then I see this beautiful product and I'm like, wow, like, where are we right yeah. now? Like, this is amazing. So,. Um,
4: But so you get off the island, you come back to L.A. Yes. Because it keeps pulling you back. Yes. For those who aren't familiar with Wilshire, what was it like?
5: Um, Wilshire was interesting. Um, I left the islands. I went to Hawaii for a little while. And, um, you know, what brought me back was a top chef reached out. And, um, you know, I figured I'd interview while I was here. And, um, you know, Wilshire, for me, was the first... Really at the helm of a... I mean, we are a $3 million operation. Um, wow. And that was... I mean, every day we'd have, you know, three BOs stacked, Monday through Tuesday of... Well, pardon me, Monday through Sunday of parties, you know. Um, off-site events, and, um, you know, I had a brigade of eight. That kitchen is one of the... Well, a beautiful kitchen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for me that was really understanding...
4: An operation. An
5: operation on a large scale.
4: Large scale. You know, Because you're running a restaurant, and then you have all the side business. Exactly. And that side business is where you make a good amount of the margin, and when you sort of take care of people. A
5: hundred percent.
4: So you're back here, you're cooking. You're cooking the food you want to cook? Uh,
5: At Wilshire. Yeah, at Wilshire. You know, it's always interesting when you're brought in as an executive chef, and I think every business entity runs it differently where some people have full creative control and and some chefs don't but um you know i had a good amount but i can't say i had all of it sure Um, you know i can't say i hung up my hat there right you know what i mean my apron or so to speak but you know damn it if we didn't hone an amazing culture uh and team in, in in the two years of my tenure there that didn't it, it was interesting, you know, because they'd gone out without a chef for a while. So I kind of inherited like the, uh, the like chaos. ragtag, yeah. like you know, rascals, and you know, like the
4: Disney movie version of like Anaheim chefs. Or better believe like, it, yeah.
5: exactly. Um,
4: and then also around this time, you're, you said you're talking to Top Chef. Yeah. What made you decide to go on that show?
5: Well, the first time that they called in two thousand and three ish. Yeah. I remember I, was, I had my first chef-de-cuisine job at a restaurant called Cachet And the hostess came up to me, and I, I want to say it was a Friday night, Thursday, Friday night. Regardless, it was... In the middle of dinner service, yeah, and she walked up to me with the phone and said, um, "There's a producer from Top Chef calling." And I said, "Tell them that I'm not fucking call this restaurant during service. Like, yeah. there's no respect there." And I, well, I came out on the floor. I got on the phone. I, I said that to them themselves, and I and I hung up the
4: phone. Beautiful. And they're probably were like, "Okay, possible
5: villain." <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: casting note
5: <laughs> which i didn't know anything yeah, 2003, about 2003 it hadn't world. been
4: it hadn't been what it was today
5: man i didn't call one friend i didn't do anything i moved all my stuff from the virgin islands i moved into an apartment in venice a studio apartment i had no furniture i just got the position at wilshire I was pulling my freaking hair out so to speak got everything running did top chef and was like what am i doing here like I just I'm pretty easygoing yeah. California girl and it's like, I mean it's a, it's a it's a it's it's a I mean, different what's it, mindset. I mean
4: what's it like on the show? I mean h- how about this for people who sit home and watch it things like that? What are things that you just what's like one thing you just cannot really comprehend unless you actually are a contestant on the show? Well,
5: I mean what we do is a process. Like you don't you don't get the process time. Uh, you know what I mean? Like if you're, con- if I oh, yeah. conceptualize a dish, there's no okay. Let's scratch that. Like let's do it again. It's like here now. No, you know you don't see. Like for me, my mindset was different. I pride myself on being very meticulous and sort of OCD, if you will. Or whatever the words that come along with that and I'm very like regiment like I like my things lined up and straight and counted and like there's a whole process like that's those are the things I feel go into the mindset of a good chef sure okay but what you don't see on the other side of the camera is you know while I'm trying to run a clean station like some chefs are like literally throwing blenders on the floor pots pants like I can't operate and that it just drives me insane
4: but then they also pile on the restraints and the sleep deprivation and everything so that's what
5: i was going to say next and that's exactly what was my first thought is the sleep deprivation thing when you're sitting in these interviews i mean i'm telling you there were nights where i wanted to sleep so bad but you can't sleep because there's like you, you can't even comprehend the thoughts that are racing through your mind yeah um but yeah i mean there were overnight challenges um you know you have to go from you know, you have to log all of your recipes and give them to you know mm. the producers. Yeah. So you're trying to write all these recipes. You get called for an interview. Then you have to like smile and be a you know a character. So and to And be speak. like,
4: what am I doing? Here? Yeah. And then, yeah. but
5: you're but the thing that for me that's the most awkward is you're staring into this like ambiguous lens of yeah. like figurative people that may or may not be watching, and you don't get that interaction. You know, I can sit here, we can have a conversation. Sure. It's like a ping pong sure. table, but it's like. You're staring through this lens that's, like, so weird. Um, So...
4: So, But it was an experience. Definitely. And so, I guess, a two-part question. Yeah. Were you happy you did it? And what was life like after you did it?
5: Okay, so, two-part answer. I am happy I did it. Because I I definitely don't regret anything um, in my life path and career. Sure. But, um, you know, I... at the time, I felt, and, you know, people always say this in business or whatever, is you should tell your, like, younger self to relax. Yeah, And, of like, course. for me, like, I was just always jumping out of my skin and, like, didn't know, like, how to be or, like, what to do. And it's, like, always so, like, riddled with anxiety all the time when I'm not even like that in my personal life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was hard. So, um, I think, you know, I don't regret it, but. I don't know. It's like a glutton for punishment thing. Like me, I'm so like, I'm like, picture I'm gonna win it, you know? Because I know I can. You right. Know? So.
4: No one, no one goes on to any of those shows. <laughs> like I hope, I, I hope I lose.
5: Exactly. Right. Yeah.
4: Um, so you get done with Top Chef. Let's talk about Leona. How did Leona come into existence? What's the story behind? That?
5: <clears throat> so you know, I did Top Chef. I finished up at Wilshire. I was there for about a little over two years. Yep. Um, and I said, you know, I think I'm gonna take a small hiatus from this industry that i'd been in it for about 10 years now and um you know i started with i was going to take the summer off and um you know people kept sending in quarries to do dinner parties and stuff like that and little things here and there and i you know the show came out like started a little wave there and people were like calling me and i went you know i went all over the nation for two years Wow! sustained my life I felt like alive again like I was not a shell and you know I got to go spend time on farms I went and I worked with this group called Summit um, who's a young entrepreneur uh, global network and you know I did a huge event with them and spent three months in Utah building this Mm. Ridiculous dining experience. Flew in chefs from all over the nation, and we literally were perched on a mountain and this huge getaway and like huge, kind of like outstanding in the field style table. Yeah. Um, but really memorable experiences spending time with my friends who started this farm called Epiphany Farms in um, Bloomington, Illinois and i mean i remember i made these muffins and it was like getting the flour from the farm
4: sure. next door you saw the network getting the strawberries yeah.
5: getting the milk from the butter that was all on one plot like that i gained regained a new appreciation and love for food then um, you know after two years of that i was like okay like
4: <laughs> let's put some roots down
5: what's well, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly life on the
4: road is, is exciting and then schlep. Sh- then you go like okay <clears throat> Pack the suitcase You better time. believe it. Yep. Oh, yeah, Pack yeah, yeah. the
5: knives, sharpen the knives, do the site visit, do all the invoicing, like did everything, mm-hmm. you know? And so now, yeah, you know, I, I,
4: I, like it's time to come home.
5: Yeah, exactly. And, and do it in my backyard and yeah. have a place of four walls where all the love goes into. Um, and that is Leona that's been birthed out of that and has been, you know, now 16 years in it. I, when I first started out in the year 2000, I said, I am not the instant gratification chef. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I want to see all the facets of this industry, breakfast, lunch, dinner, fine dining, taco spots on the beach, mm. burger places in Aspen. Did, Spiny
4: lobster places in the better the believe islands. it. Yeah. And did yeah. all of
5: that. And then said, okay, well now crumple all that together. Well, what is my love offering? And this is it, you know, and, um, it's food you know, my ethos in cooking, I call my style um, progressive California cuisine. Mm-hmm. So I always, I just love the term progression. I feel like in the day and age that we're in, you know, in the tech world and that space and, you know, content, all these things now that's like associated with the food world. But progression seems to be the mainstay kind of thought, you know, and like how you offer these food experiences, um, and also I didn't want to limit myself, you know, I think my food will continue to progress as I progress, you Yeah,
4: know? Um, I mean, and you do a lot of work um, inspired by that ethos from, I guess, from your couple of years on the road, but even before yeah. that, of working with um, Santa Monica Farmer Market, but like, you know, you have your own little plot on on Abikini in Venice at Cook's Garden. Yep. That literally says Leona on it. Yep. And so, from literally from the soil up, you're inspiring what's grown and what's being produced.
5: I, it's it's everything. I mean, we get our produce, and I mean, I'm growing stuff in that plot that I was inspired by in the islands that I couldn't find. You mm. know, Shadow Benny is like one of the most delicious herbs I've ever come across. It's like a flower, floral cilantro flavor, but super sturdy and hearty. Like yep. Beautiful, just stunning um, flavor profile. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, my food's very, very globally inspired. I've had the fortune to be inspired by European chefs, you know, Israeli chefs, my grandmother. And, yeah,
4: I mean, your heritage alone is you know? is more multicultural than some people experience, so, and that was a birthright. T-
5: yeah, I mean, I, we, I would go to my my dad's side, all from like Mississippi, like you know, their you know forefathers and. Have like the most amazing gumbo, you know, Mm. and then go to my grandma's house
4: and then have like all right, (laughs) gumbo dumplings. Just just need to do that. Um, (sighs) And so Leona has found a great home, a great success. You were named. You've the accolades have come. Uh, Eater named you Chef of the Year, L.A.
5: First year open,
4: which is incredible. I mean, but let's also say this year, top ten dish of the year, Jay Gold. What was that like? Uh, And what was the dish? And how did that dish come into existence?
5: Just unbelievable. I mean, it's believable because it comes. Yeah, it's believable. It's believable. Yeah, believe in
4: yourself. Yes, I know. Right? Yes. Yes.
5: Absolutely. Um, So it's funny. I was butchering fish. um, It was Friday night, and one of my cooks came in. She gives me a big hug Casey Corn. Love her. And she, she said, congratulations. And I hugged her and I said, congratulations to you. Yeah. You know? And She's right. Yeah. And, um, you know, we talked about the, being the top ten dishes of all of Los Angeles. And by
4: the way, that man eats. So to be in the top ten, I don't even know how many dishes he eats in a year. Anyway
5: it, No, yes It is It is It is um, a beautiful thing
4: And so what is the dish And how did it come into existence?
5: So the dish is um, A roasted dumpling squash mm-hmm. So I've been working with this farm Tutti Fruity, For many, many years And they have a killer squash Called dumpling squash And it, it's kind of like a delicata In that it's very thin-skinned But super delicious flesh It's like almost creamy mm. uh, And um you know in this day and age people really are interested about what they're putting into their bodies for fuel also as well as where it comes from so you know i wanted to make a dish that is going to be appealing to vegetarian and meat eaters alike Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so
4: the squashes are good Good platform for that.
5: Exactly. Um, We were in fall at that time, and you know, I was eating very well. The squash was eating super delicious, so um, I wanted to make something that was gluten free. You know, it's not like the overarching style of my food, but um, this dish really hit a lot of platforms. Um, So we did. I wanted something super like unctuous, um, so I did like tapioca based risotto. So what we do is kind of lightly cook onions well we cook them actually all the way through but no color, just really translucent in color Um, and we fold that into blanched tapioca, white wine a little butter, Mm -hmm. some marscapone um, and some parmesan cheese and um, we fold all these delicious flavors together, finish it with chive and then we roast our dumpling squash and um, toast the seeds and fold all that together fill the squash back up uh, and then finish it with our uh, burrata, and stop. it's perfect. Dish. It's perfect. It, it, it's crunchy. It's silky. You know, it's meaty. You have a knife. You can cut into it with knife and fork.
4: And you can eat it by yourself, which most people do, <laughs> or you can share it with others. Exactly, exactly. And uh, have just people been coming in and ordering it? And yeah, can't, I can't take it off the menu. Nope, nope.
5: no. And so now, I it's actually a verbal because I love part of the experience is and what makes my heart sing is hearing our service staff talk about these dishes of course you know and so i'm very adamant on having everyone taste everything you can't go on the floor unless you haven't tasted yeah or you heard it come out of my mouth sure. or you got your descriptions but um i don't even put it on the menu i just you have to talk about it every time yeah. because it's so it's so beautiful and we we put that on our um, New Year's Eve menu to Mm. celebrate you know of course and that was a it's a beautiful thing
4: Um, just drop the squash at midnight right yeah exactly
5: well
4: well, chef thank you so much
5: my pleasure
4: thank you for spending time with us always congratulations on everything also badass women of LA chefs, LA weekly. There's too many accolades We don't have enough. Time. We don't have enough time. There's too many good things, and then all of your charity work and everything. It's all awesome.
5: That's what drives my heart. Is the charity stuff. It's sure. awesome.
4: Well, we appreciate it. Appreciate you. Uh, how's your Instagram game? Do people, people, you got a good game or Leona got a good game? We
5: got a good game. Uh, my Instagram and Twitter are Naisha Joyce, uh, all one word. Okay. Um, but great game, and then Facebook page is at Chef. Aisha
4: Harrington. Awesome. Walk ins, reservations, people just come swing by, have a glass of wine. 100%. We keep a uh,
5: nice niche for um, neighborhood. Very important. Perfect.
4: That's I've always found the true successful restaurants are neighborhood joints. 100%. And you have created one of them. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Got another love track from the Snacky Tunes archives here on heritageradionetwork.org. Mm-hmm.
6: Woe is me, faithless you selfish me. I will leave a key for you outside my dark way. Woe is me. One if I land or two by sea. So won't you leave for me? A light outside, you don't wait. On a ladder from there to here, I climb. Oh, this clatter between my ears, I find. Does it matter if I can't clear my mind There's a right and a wrong time I don't know you Faithful me I will be The one to gaze On you discreetly yeah. Slow your speed Turn yourself around Follow me Cause I will be The one who prays upon you Sweetly yeah. On a ladder from there to here I climb Oh, this clatter between my ears I find Does it matter if I can clear my mind? There's a right and a wrong time Oh, oh, oh From there to here I climb All this clatter Between my ears I find Does it matter If I can clear My, my I, 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 I? There's a right And a wrong time there's a right and a wrong type. There's a right and a wrong type. Oh. 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 Oh.
0: Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas, the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization Share Our Strength, brings together your favorite chefs and amazing social innovators to discuss how food impacts almost every major issue you care about, your health, your environment, and your children's ability to learn. Uplifting stories from chefs like Michelin star winner Jose Andres.
4: People want our respect. People don't want our dirty shoes and our old pens. People want us to show up
7: and show them that they really matter to us.
0: And Top Chef winner Brian Voltaggio.
7: Hunger has many different faces. You can walk down the street every day and see children playing in the playground. They're hungry. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. They don't know if they're going to have dinner.
0: Can be heard at strength.org slash passion. You can help change the world by changing the way we think about food. Listen at strength.org slash passion. That's strength.org slash passion.
4: Welcome back. We have Hannah Gill and the Hours, which should just really be our. The minute. The minute. <laughs> the, minute. the minute. Hannah and Brad, welcome to Snacky Tunes.
7: Hi, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us.
4: Yeah, it's great to have you here in this winter esque edition of Snacky yes. Tunes. Are your feet warming up?
7: <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Slowly but surely. <laughs> I mean,
4: when you hear that it's one degree outside, you don't really understand it. And then when you get out there, you're like, I should have had better yeah. boots.
7: I should have put on that extra pair of socks but you live Hannah and you Hannah walked learn. here.
4: Hannah walked, what, 25?
7: It, was, it wasn't was that bad. Hours it was Yeah, I walked snow. six Uphil hours. Uphill both ways. Yeah. yeah. Found both hills. Yeah, yeah, that was me.
4: <laughs> uh, you're from Maryland. How does this winter compare to your Maryland winters? You know,
7: it's, it's the exact same, really. The only difference is that if I want to go somewhere here, I have to walk. So, you know, if it's 20 degrees in Maryland, it's no big deal. You can wear whatever you want, hop in a car. But if you're in New York, you really have to brace for the elements. So that sucks, but I've acquired a lot of pairs of wool socks since being here. So,
4: A lot of your songs <laughs> talk about moving from Maryland to the big city. What are some of the things that you've pulled or some of the lessons that you've seen from being here and how it influenced the type of music that you're making?
7: Yeah, um, I think... This is, I, don't, I mean, I just love the pace of the city, I guess And, you know, you, you see a lot of different people living a lot of different lives And I guess it's a cool element that I didn't necessarily have before I, before I moved here Because you can really use other people's lives and other people's experiences to help you kind of write And I just, I guess, create new things You see more than just your perception of what the world is
4: and how has that influenced the, is it influenced the music that you make, or what's in the lyrics,
2: or both? Um,
7: I think it's a combination, you know, and I also think the music has altered a lot because of the phenomenal people that I've met when being here, and Brad, I know you're the same way, you know, and so it's, it's great because, um, you know, you get to meet all of these new people, and they can really help alter your sound, and the lyrics are also inspired by things that just happen in day-to-day life, so of course they affect it in some way.
4: And how did you two meet?
7: That's actually a funny story, and I'll give you the short version because I tend to drag it on. It's, but um, It's
4: internet radio. We have 19 is, hours. There we go. Yeah.
7: No, you have all okay. the time Let's in the world. <laughs> but no, so I, um, I did this talent show back in middle school, and I had just transferred schools. And it was uh, just a little tiny talent show, and I won this talent show being this new kid in eighth grade.
8: It was American Idol.
7: Yes, it was an American <laughs> idol, yeah I want it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so my 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 dad had like a really proud dad moment and took the video of me from the from the um, talent show into his work and showed people that he worked with and one of the guys was like hey um, i don 't know if you 'd be interested, but my son has a recording studio up in New York City. Do you want to take your daughter up kind of as a birthday present and just record a few songs like covers just so she knows how it feels?" my dad was like, oh, I don't know, she's a little young. I'll put it off for a few years. Um, so he did. And for my 16th birthday, I came up to New York and I saw a Ben Howard concert in Central Park and I went to Brad's studio um, and I just recorded two like just silly covers. You know, I think I did one by Kimbra and one by Jason Mraz <laughs> and um, at first I could just tell that Brad didn't want to be there. It was a very favor to his father. But then by the end of it, I think he wanted me to come back. So I came up a month later, and we recorded an EP. And then I just kept coming up.
4: Is there any truth that it's like, son, I need you to do a favor for me? <laughs> like, boy. Boy.
8: No, I, I mean, I've, I, we do a lot of those things, you know, where you have... Um, not necessarily 16 year olds but people (laughs) coming in wanting to live the dream and then you tune them up and then they're so happy and they get to take their you know recording away but so it was definitely a a favor sort of situation and uh yeah i mean they're always okay and i knew i was going to play guitar and and um had to learn these two cover songs i think and you know it was it was like okay let's let's do this and and uh I think your dad was with you, so yeah. um, I think I had met him once before. So it was it was fine. And then she started singing. And I was like, "Oh,
4: whoa!" It's like that scene in Once, where the engineer like actually starts to pay attention and right. just like, "Oh, wait a second. This That's is sad. not. Exactly. This is not like <laughs> all Everything the other else, ones." Totally. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, we don't have to
8: tune her actually." You know. And it, it was uh, um, a engineer friend of mine, and I. And we were just like, "Wow, you got to come back up. You're you're really good." And um, you know, she. I always think it's a cliche to say an old soul, but she is. You know, she's uh, at 16. It's like, whoa, well, you're we hanging with us old dudes and uh, <laughs> not missing a beat. And yeah, she's just extremely musical. And you both it. have a shared background in jazz as well,
4: right?
7: Yeah, I mean, I kind of discovered my passion for jazz music when I moved up to the city. So it's not a huge background in jazz, but.
8: <laughs> yeah, Hannah's a baby. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I studied jazz, and, and when Hannah moved up here, we decided to do a 1920s 30s project um called after hours and just to make money on the side and um we went to the studio with a bunch of awesome musicians and recorded a quick ep and then started doing parties and weddings to subsidize
4: the original project and it's been a lot of fun and where do you, which side of jazz do you land on is it the uh singer in the front with you know kind of jamming in the background or, or is it more uh, improvisational or what era?
7: Um, it's definitely catered more towards um, swing or um, I guess trad jazz. So I, uh, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's um, you know, it really all depends on the venue. Sometimes, you know, we definitely like a lot of freedom and the um, the amount that you get to hear the individuality in each musician. So there's plenty of solos, but I wouldn't call us uh, improv or anything anything like that.
4: But. And what's the makeup of the the group?
7: Um, the jazz group? Mm-hmm. It all really depends on what, what people want. Normally it'll be um, guitar, bass, vocals, and trumpet. Sometimes there'll be a drum. Um, I know we used to do this jazz brunch at this cafe uh, downtown called Cafe Vivaldi and we would sometimes have a violinist come in. And So it's really just these great, talented friends that we have and whoever wants to come in and hang out, they can. They never let us down, really.
4: And going back to the P- the uh you know the main project how did that begin to form and where did the music come from and where did you two begin to overlap so it wasn't just a solo project but actually a band
7: yeah yeah um so we when we first started we kind of just uh went under my name and it was just Hannah Gill um and I know I was doing I was playing a lot of Brad songs cuz like you said I'm a baby at this you know <laughs> so it's um I'm still you know I'm still learning on how to you know really crank out tunes or really sit down and write plenty of songs on my own so we definitely started like that and then I think slowly my my tunes kind of got woven in and I know I think we just realized that you know Brad does so much for the band and all of our other talented musicians are so great we wanted it to be more than just me so then that's when we kind of decided to call it Hannah Gill and the Hours so I think now we've got it to the point where it's a great blend of both Brad and I's tastes and what we both like in music, and I think that lends a really individual sound to what we have. Can we hear a song? Yeah, yes. What are you
8: going to play for us first? We're going to do Austin, which yep. is the uh, first song off the EP, and we have a video for it that we shot down in Austin. <laughs> yeah.
4: Great. Live on Snacky Tunes. <laughs>
3: On a whim, to see if I could fit in, and I felt like a proper lady. Before long, I met a man, I fell in love, you understand, he was all I could think of. Oh, 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 oh Stan, you were my first lover, why'd you say you love me if I met to Kansas to move on I drank whiskey until dawn but I missed that loving or well, I went back to find that man I found Got a job in my hometown and I felt like a bruised woman Before long I began to think that man would be the death of me Sure I'm gonna kill him Oh, 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 Stan, you were my first lover Why'd you say you love me if I meant nothing to you? Lord, I oh, stand you were undercover. Why'd you say you love me and then you found another? Lord, I oh, stand you were my first lover. Why'd you say you love me if I meant?
4: You made a couple of references to you being a baby and and new to this. So with your first EP, The Water, which came out earlier or in spring, it's yeah, yeah. 2017 already. <laughs> to get used to that. What did you want to capture or what did you want to try to say with something that you knew was so fresh and so new to your musical career?
7: Yeah. Um I don't know. I guess I just I'm I'm still trying to find my way. So this that new EP that we put out was really a good way to kind of just, I guess, show who I am and the type of music that I like to create and the people that I like to work with, and I think it's just, it's a good, it's a good starting block to build off of. I think.
4: So, do you think it's more of, I don't want to say positioning, but just an introduction to who you are, just to get yourself out there? And well, yeah, av- of
7: course. I think that's what everybody's first EP is. You know, everyone they're testing the waters, and I think they're. Um, from there, that's a good way for people to get to get uh, used to what you sound like. Or not used to, that sounds terrible, but I guess decide, <laughs> decide if they like you. She's fine,
4: I'm used to it. <laughs> I'll get used to yeah, it, I, yeah. I, we'll
7: get
3: used to it. <laughs>
7: but you know, I guess it's a good way to get people to, under, I guess, understand what type of music you're making. And then from there, you can go and put something larger out. And that way, when you do, and after you've spent that time making the album and creating all of these new songs and these beautiful arrangements, and that way you have a group of people that already know what you do, and then they can come and appreciate it for what it is.
4: It's interesting to say that. I know, Brad, you mentioned one of your influences, Annie DeFranco, who is one of my favorite artists growing up. Have you listened to her first records to when she finally added in horns and everything? You could tell by the time she got there she'd been waiting for the money or the time <laughs> to add that in. So Hannah, I put this back to you and Brad as well. Are there things that you want to add on, let's say, EP4 that you didn't <laughs> um, have the chance to do this time around because it's something you needed to build to or didn't have the resources or the right people?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think I, our EP right now has got a lot in it, and I'm pretty happy with it, you know. But I think, um, um, I don't know. I, I love the, uh, I would love to kind of have maybe like a, I don't know. I'm really into like gospely blues right now so it'd be really fun at some point to do like an EP kind of along those lines but I think I'm just I'm super happy on where we are right now and what the EP sounds like and I think the best thing about listening to an artist's progression of CDs or things that they really put out you can see how they grow as an artist and how their tastes kind of change and I guess twist around other things that they are passionate about so I don't know what we might want Come the fourth VP. If
8: anything, we start chipping away. That's a <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I, I, some of my favorite records of Ani's are just her, you know, playing guitar and stripped down, and you know, as a guitarist, you could really hear that her percussive plank and stuff. And so, um, I think one of the best songs on the albums is the last one, which is just acoustic guitar and vocals. And, um, <laughs> it'd be fun to do more of that stuff. Yeah, know, and cheaper. <laughs>
3: Definitely cheaper.
4: <laughs> and so the EP has been out for almost six months now. Yeah. Uh, what have you seen in the response, or what have you learned from it, um, or how people reacted to it being out in the world?
7: Yeah, people seem to really like it, you know, and it's it's cool because uh, you get you get different feedback. You get one group of people that are like, "Oh my gosh, I love how big the the uh, EP sounds. I love all the horns. I love all the background vocals." Um, and then you have other people that are like, "Wow, I love the way that you guys perform live where it 's just three or four pieces, but then you know you hear that and then you listen to the E p and then you hear out sounds of the full sound and so i don 't know i think, I think people are enjoying both sides of the spectrum right now, so
8: I think when we do the full band show, um, which is when we 're in the city um, playing, people are are digging it. you know we got a really great musical director, Danny Genicucci, and he put together a killer band and so it 's some of the best players in the city, and they uh, I just kill it you know so and then with hannah's energy um i think uh that's where hannah shines the most with the with the big horns behind her and and yeah it's, it drums but but we were on tour for a while and, and it was just three pieces and three piece and that was fun too you know you make you make do and and get creative with things
4: Has the Strip Town version influenced the big band version coming back? There were things you learned from the road that came back and made you like, okay, we have access to all these things, but maybe, like you said, you start to chip away at it?
7: Yeah, I think so. I think it's made us kind of appreciate hearing each instrument, you know, as its own element, you know? Because I think when you play with a big band, it's very easy to, I guess, lose some pieces among all of the other instruments that are playing. So I think by playing stripped down, you get to appreciate certain elements and you could say, oh, okay, I know I want to hear more of the trumpet here or maybe let's break it down so that you hear more of the bass or more of the percussive element. You know, that way we hear how good it sounds broken down and that way we know which elements we want to keep minimal and which elements we want to make bigger so
4: are there just times on the road we just like oh i would kill for a bar trumpet solo right now
7: oh yes all the time
4: <laughs> <laughs> really a bass, player, yeah. Yeah. We'll start, a bass player we'll start with some rhythm and then we'll get to right yeah
8: because we well it's you know we chose a trumpet player to come with us as as, a, as our third piece which is probably not the first um, <laughs> or second
4: second or third, or third yeah choice
7: hopefully um, he doesn't hear about that yeah, one <laughs> yeah no, he's the
4: worst yeah. uh, but, but why did you choose that over uh, a bass player or, yeah, or keys mean, or anything I don't like. really know well
7: so our, <laughs> those are just our less, less space in the car yeah, yeah there we go it's, he's more compact yeah, yeah. But no, um, our trumpet player is also our musical director, so it 's one of those things he he also plays keys, so he got a Nord that you know can also carry the bass line, and then also, if we want to hear the trumpet in there, we can so multifaceted <laughs>
8: i think it you know really shapes our sound you know if we didn 't have a horn player in there and then you heard the record you 'd be like, "Whoa, this is really different you know mm-hmm. and so and i and it it does really help things out with a solo a solo
4: instrument you know it's like he can he uh and he's such a showman <laughs> he's such a dork <laughs> and it also bounces from things not sliding into someone's first and last name just being singer songwriter and yeah. being held yeah. in that way exactly
8: yeah we both love cake and, you know, they, you, you, you know they, they just kill with that trumpet player. And, I yeah. think
4: the first two cake records might be the best road trip records of all time. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. Darren and I have spent many a road trips just being like, let's just yeah. let's just put it on I again. know
7: every word yeah. to every song on the Fashion Nugget album. I,
4: I do, too. <laughs> which is actually going to be the rest of the show where we just sing, sing yes. the show to each other.
7: Let's
4: well, just do a cake set. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can we hear another song? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to play for us? Cake. Cake.
7: <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, what do you think?
8: Change of uh, let's do, let's do the water. Okay. Maybe. All right. Can I so, get you to take a picture
3: for social media? Oh, yeah. Social media. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't you hear the water rolling down the mountain, rolling down the mountain the running. To the sea, can't you feel my heartbeat? Steady as a drum, babe. Steady as a drum, babe. crawling to me. Oh, 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 how time moves slow. And, and fill it in, fill it in your soul. Let me hear you go. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh.
4: mentioned earlier that you started baking in ninth grade to yeah. combat anxiety. <laughs> How did you land yeah. on baking?
7: Because <laughs> uh, I'm a total dweeb, I guess. But um, I don't know. I um, I always enjoyed working with my hands, and that was also the time that I kind of discovered Pinterest, so my life was forever changed. <laughs> um, but no, I just I realized I always loved to cook, and... Um, but I, there was something about baking that I really enjoyed because you can follow the recipe and you kind of get to just turn your brain off. And if you do everything that piece of paper or that web page tells you to do, you'll end up with something delicious. So it was a great way to kind of just focus on that.
4: I prefer cooking because if you don't follow it, you'll still get there. But baking <laughs> is so true. so exact.
7: Don't get me wrong. I, still, I love to cook, too. It's one of my favorite things.
4: <laughs> but how did it help you combat your anxiety or how did it allow you to interact with people? Well,
7: you know, just kind of, I've got, I don't know, I guess, you know, I'm a very extroverted person. I love to be out and to talk to people and to have a good time. But then at the same time, you know, just like everybody, I love to have my private time. And I guess... The time that I feel most relaxed is when I can just turn on some music and work with my hands and make something out of nothing that I can later eat and enjoy.
4: (laughs) What is your star recipe?
7: Oh, my star recipe. Um, It's actually, yeah, so I make these eggnog snickerdoodles. Okay. And they're perfect for this time of the year. But those those are pretty solid. And I make a really good blueberry peach pie.
4: Are these your own recipes that you've adapted, or something that you follow that you just now claim as your own?
7: I mean, they were originally recipes that I found and followed, but it's gotten to the point now where I make them so often I kind of just have it memorized and I will tweak them a little bit, you know. But
4: what's the Hannah tweak? Cina- what's the Hannah tweak? cinnamon?
7: Yeah, there's more cinnamon in the snickerdoodles. Acid. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I drug all of my uh, baked goods. Uh, yeah. This is
4: so good. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> And you also mentioned that you make French macaroons, but you're, like, at the beginning of that long, long journey.
7: Yes. I, I haven't been able to do it as much anymore because it's a very expensive hobby to have. But, um, but yeah, no, I've successfully made macaroons maybe five or six times. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, it's great. Any time that I have more than, like... $10 in my like okay to spend jar I will go out and I will make macaroons what's
4: the non-professional chef's secret to a good fr- at-home French macaroon
7: parchment paper because <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford those fancy rubber mats that everyone has one day <laughs> one one day
4: enough like jazz gigs and you'll get there
7: yeah I'll get the nice silicon baking sheet yeah
4: <laughs> so what's next uh, for
7: 2017 oh just Making more music, you know We've, We're have we bubbling with new ideas And I know I've spent the holidays writing And we're hoping to get back into the studio And record and just I don't know, I guess work on The Hannah Gill and The Hours sound so.
4: Another EP, LP, single? I don't
7: know, I think It all depends on really where we want to go As a band, I just know we're going to put Something new out and it's going to be great Leave you, leave you in suspense. Total if suspense. You will. <laughs> uh,
4: well, we want to make sure we get time for one more song. So, where can people find the EP?
7: Find yeah. your gigs. Um, you can find us. You know, we've we're all over the place. You can find our music on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora under Hannah Gill the Hours, and we've got our website, com You can find us on Facebook. We, um, our Instagram is Hannah Gill the Hours, and the same with Twitter. And we actually have a show at Rockwood Music Hall on the twenty-first, stage two at. 8, Eight p.m., yeah. yep.
4: And any tours coming up, or just New York for the moment?
7: Just New York for the moment.
4: Not and that it's a bad place gonna to be. going to enjoy
7: where we are, yeah. I know, I
4: love that. Every time I come back home from the road, I was like, oh yeah, I live in New York.
7: Oh wait, this is really cool. This yeah. is really cool, this is
4: like our, the default city. <laughs> this is cooler than
8: where I was, even though I thought it was cool. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I
4: mean, that's the whole great thing about evolving through life. You yeah. get to the place where you're ready to be at. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in this week and make sure to listen in next week for another episode of Snacky Tunes. What are you going to take us out with?
8: Against the Wall, the last tune on our yeah. EP. Oh, the strip down one. The strip that's down nice. one. So we're going to do this strip down. Strip down. <laughs> strip, strip down. So it's just going to be.
7: Take off your um, jacket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
8: okay. Um,
2: yeah.
3: Back and forth between the day and the daylights, but I don't mind storms around me trickle and trunk through the midnight sky, but I don't mind gonna have to face it. Gonna have to let it in. up against the wall. Shots are shot to me, to me, yeah, and after all, beauty seen a falling three. Yeah. The bones are breaking. Making room for the ghost of you I never knew who's crumbling Beating down the walls that you Never used, you left the few Gonna have to face it You're gonna have to